So I just thought as to lead in, to, we're going through the book of James right now, and we're in the uh, second chapter of James. I thought it would be good to share with you, which I thought was not a stretch, a little bit about the faith of our founding fathers, because we are going to be talking about faith this morning. What does it mean to be a real Christian? What's the real deal? A lot of people are, are talking about, you know, if you talk to our nation, you know, we would consider ourselves to be a Christian nation, and what does it mean to be a genuine Christian? And in the book of James, by the way, for those of you who are not aware, James was written by a man named James who happened to be the half-brother of Jesus. He is the son of, uh, he was the son of Mary and Joseph. Uh, and so this is, this is a brother of Jesus. He didn't get converted, though, until after the resurrection. And, and I, and I kind of, you know, when I think about that, I can imagine why. Can you imagine trying to worship your brother in the house? I don't think so. He'd have to raise from the dead before I'd do that, you know. But anyway, so this was James, the brother of Jesus. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about the, 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 the Christian faith of our early founders. And when I say that, I want to say that with the caveat that I'm not pretending that America uh, in our roots was all that it should have been. There was a lot of things about America at the time, for slavery, for instance, that thank God we, we got over the, the scourge of slavery. Having said all that, though, let me just say something about the founding of our nation and, and what some of those guys had in mind. Uh, did you know that uh, 52 of 55 of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were deeply committed Christians? And even the other three believed in the Bible as the divine truth, the God of scriptures, and his personal intervention. On the same day that the Declaration of Independence was signed, that same Congress formed the American Bible Society. And uh, they uh, voted to purchase 20,000 copies of the scriptures to distribute throughout the land. In, in 1782, the United States Congress voted this resolution. The Congress of the United States recommends and approves the Holy Bible for use in all schools. Our founders thought that the Bible should be used in schools. Of the first 108 universities in America, 106 of them were distinctly Christian universities, including the first one, which was Harvard University. And in fact, it was founded in 1636. To get into Harvard, you had to learn Greek and Hebrew so that you could, that was the rule number one in the Harvard Handbook, you had to learn Greek and Hebrew so that you could read the Holy Scriptures. Rule number two, it said this in the handbook, let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and studies to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. That was in Harvard's handbook. That the one thing that they wanted you to do was to know God and Jesus Christ who is eternal life. Uh, and then in the first hundred years of Harvard, 50% of its graduates became pastors. George Washington said, this was our first president, it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. That's what George Washington said. He also said what students should learn in American schools above all is the religion of Jesus Christ. That's what George Washington felt about it. Now, now this is interesting because today is July 2nd. On July 3rd of 1776, John Adams, who was our second president, wrote this to his wife. He said the second day of July, 1776, he got it wrong by two days, he was close, 
will be the most memorable epic in the history of America. I'm apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other from this time forward and forever. Or maybe just a picnic. But some way or another, it ought to be celebrated. Patrick Henry said, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, peoples of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and freedom of worship here. One of the main goals of Christianity is to allow people who are not Christians to have the same right to worship and the same freedoms that we have. John Jay, who was the first Supreme Court uh, justice, uh, what do you call the, the head guy of the Supreme Court, that guy? The Chief Justice, yeah. Uh, he said, Christianity is designed to refine and to soften, to take away the heart of stone, to give us hearts of flesh, to polish off the rudeness and arrogance of our manners and tempers, and to make us blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke. He also said, Providence has given to our people the choice of their rulers, and it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. Now, some of this sounds way out of tune from where we're living at today, but I just wanted to share with you what some of the founding fathers thought. At, you know, we have three branches of government, right? The executive, the legislative, and the judicial. You know how we got those? At the Constitutional Convention of 1787, James Madison proposed a plan to divide the central governments into three branches, and he discovered his model of government from the perfect governor, as he read in Isaiah 33, 22. He said, For the Lord is our judge, our lawgiver, and our king. Judge, lawgiver, and king. So he made the judicial, the legislative, lawgiver, and king. Some presidents take that too seriously, but anyway, no, just kidding. Um, and the, and the uh, executive branch. Thomas Jefferson, there's a lot been said about Thomas Jefferson and his faith, or whether he did or didn't have faith. But in the front of his Bible he, uh, are these words, I am a Christian in the only sense in which he wished anyone to be, sincerely attached to his doctrines and preference to all others. And then another quote by Jefferson said, I am a real Christian, that is to say, a disciple of the doctrines of Jesus Christ. And so that's really what we want to talk about today. What's a real Christian? Turn to your neighbor and ask, what's a real Christian? What's, what's, what's a real Christian? How many know it takes more than being in a, in a garage to be a car? It, it takes more than being in a church to be a Christian, right? It takes more. What, is, what, is it, what does it mean to, to, to really, what, a, a genuine Christian? And we're really going to talk about faith this morning. What is, what is the essence of our Christian faith? What is the essence of faith? James 2.14 says this, so we're going to talk about dynamic faith today, dynamic faith. And by the way, for those of you who might be new with us in, the, in our worship guide, there's a place where you can take notes if you want to and fill in the blanks or draw pictures of Mickey Mouse if you're bored, whatever you need to do. But anyway, there's a place in there that, uh, you, can, that you can take notes, and I'll try, to, I'll try to keep it moving and exciting. Is that all right? 
Okay, so we're going to talk about dynamic faith. And James in, in James 2.14 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone claims to have faith, but he has no deeds? Can such faith save him? In other words, if you say that you are a Christian, if you say that you have faith, but you're not walking that out, can you really say that you're a, a follower of Jesus? And so we're going to talk about lifestyles of faith today that James talks about in the second chapter of, uh, of James. Everyone that's in this room today has faith. Faith just means whatever it is that we believe that manifests itself in the way that we live our lives. So really the way that we live our life really reflects what our faith is. Even if you say you don't believe in God, that is a belief that you believe in that will manifest itself in the way that you walk out your life. So all of us have something that we might believe in mankind. We might believe in humanity. Hopefully you believe in the law of gravity and act on it. Don't jump off cliffs and stuff because gravity's real. You know what I mean? I have faith in that. In that, whatever you have, whatever you act on, on shows what you believe in. And, and the Scripture tells us to examine our faith to see if it's the real deal. In in Second Corinthians thirteen five, it says, "Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test." So. So we're going to kind of give ourselves a faith test today and see what, see what kind of faith we have. And the first kind of faith that James talks about is, one, faith that is dead. Faith that is dead. It's, it's faith, I would call it, um, have you heard of the term rhino, Republican in name only, or there's dinos, Democrats in name only, or, or uh, I think there should be chinos, you know, Christians in name only. You know what I'm saying? And, or, or it could be any faith, you know? In, in name only. In other words, we call ourselves a Christian nation. Do we really act in a way, James is asking, James is kind of a hard-hitting book. He doesn't mess around. Um, I guess when you're the brother of Jesus, you can just get away with that. But anyway, he doesn't mess around. He just says, he just says this is the way it is. You can't, you can't, that you're a Christian and then not have any deeds, faith that is dead. And so if you're filling in blanks there, it's lip service and not lifestyle. It's lip service. And what does that mean, lip service? It means we're all talk. All talk and no walk. You know, we um, honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker on our car. And we got road rage at the same time. How many know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? And, and so James says it this way in verse um, 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. And if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. And James says, show me your faith without your deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. The way that you can show your faith, you, faith is this invisible, ethereal thing, but 
if it's not being walked out, is it really faith at all? He says, we're all talk and no walk. Can I just be real honest with you today and tell you that I hear waitresses complain about their Sunday crowds? Come on, I'm preaching now this morning. They, they, they complain about their Sunday crowds and people that come out of church on Sundays and they go to the restaurants and they don't tip or they don't tip well. In case some of you haven't heard, it's gone up from 10% back when I was a kid. And, and they don't tip well. And, and a lot of them will leave Christian literature with that waitress. And they'll leave Christian literature and don't tip. Can I just say, your tip is a lot better witness than that Christian literature that you're sending out. James calls that lip service and not lifestyle. We as Christians need to be aware of the people around them and the actual needs that they have. You know, Jesus, the stories of Jesus were all about that. They were about, you know, a priest going to church and he sees a man in a ditch. And he walks, he walks away and he walks around on the other side. Some another religious person comes and he walks by him and then finally... Uh, a Samaritan, who, 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 uh, who those people didn't like at the time. A Samaritan comes by, and he helps the man. He gets him lodging and all that. And we are faced with these real live issues every day. One day I was, I was Uber driving. It was the first week of Uber driving, and it was on a Wednesday, and we had Wednesday night Bible study that night. I picked up a guy at Walmart in West Knoxville, and when I picked him up, he said, did you look at the destination on my, uh, wh where I need to go? And I said, no, I haven't yet. And I looked at the destination, and it said, North Augusta, South Carolina. Just across from Augusta, Georgia. North Augusta, South Carolina. I said, wait a minute. I can't take you to North Augusta, South Carolina. I have church tonight. And, 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 and that would have been a, a good excuse to not go. But, but then the guy said, my brother has just been in a serious car accident. And I'm trying to get to see him. We don't know if he's going to live. And we don't know if he's going to die. I've tried the bus station. The bus can't take him. I have no way to get there. You're my only chance. And I'm sitting here thinking of the stories in the Bible, thinking, how do I, how do I tell the guy I can't do it because i got to go to church? So I, I quickly asked for a moment, called my wife, can you cover Bible study tonight? She did. And I told the guy, I said, hey, my daughter's in town for Thanksgiving. Do you mind if she rides with us? Because we're going to go on like a six-hour ride, no problem. So me and my daughter got to spend six hours together and took the guy on a ride. But, but I'm just saying, we've got to be careful that our, that our faith is not just lip service because we will be faced all the time with people around us that we have help to give, that, that legitimately need our help, and we've got to do, we, we can't do everything, but we've got to do what we can. I hope someday on, on all of our gravestones it says something like, he did what he could, right? That, that, that when we had the opportunity, we did what we could. 
So it's lip service, but not lifestyle. But the next thing it is leaves and not fruit. Leaves and not fruit. Now let me explain that to you. Jesus one time was hungry, and he saw a fig tree, but the fig tree had no fruit on it. And this is a weird story, because Jesus did something really out of character. He cursed the fig tree because it was not bearing fruit, and the fig tree died. Now, when you just look at that story, it sounds like, what was up with Jesus that day? But when you look at the story in context, it was not about the fruit tree. He was making an analogy of the temple at the time, because in the temple... People were, were um, changing people's money at high interest rates. And they were selling things in the temple. And Jesus went into the temple and he threw out the money changers. He knocked over the tables and he said, This place is not to be a den of thieves like you've made it, but it is to be a house of prayer for all nations. That God said his house is to be a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he used that fig tree illustration to talk about churches who are all leaves but no fruit. You know, if we come to church and we have nice music and we shake hands with each other and we go home and we and we come just as we are, and we leave just as we were, we can be just like a tree that has beautiful leaves, but is not bearing fruit. We as Christians, if we're going to have real faith, faith that is not dead, it needs to be faith that bears fruit. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's the purpose of the church, that we cannot just be all leave. Have you ever seen Bradford pear trees? Bradford pear trees are beautiful. But guess what? They got no pears. There's ornamental cherry trees. They got pretty leaves. But I don't know about you. I need some cherries every once in a while. I need some pears. We need the fruit. I want to go to a church that produces fruit. Amen? Amen? Amen. So you remember the Wendy's commercial, Where's the Beef? We need to ask that sometimes, you know. Well, the, the music was good, but where's the beef? You know, we don't want it. We want to be a church that bears fruit. Not all talk, but this is really a house of prayer. Every, everybody is welcome. Every nation is welcome. My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. So that's faith that is dead. The next thing that James talks about is faith that is deceived. Faith that is deceived. These are people that think they have faith, and, and James says something very hard-hitting. In verse 2, 19, he said, You believe that there's one God? Good for you. Even the demons believe and tremble. James is saying, don't break your hand patting yourself on the back because you believe in one God. It's getting all excited about our theology, getting all excited about what we believe. That's one thing that Jews and Muslims and Christians have in common. 
we believe that there is God and only one God. And that's wonderful. But if that's the only place that we leave it, then it's faith that is deceived. So, so, so what is faith that is deceived? Number one, if you're filling in your blanks, it's knowledge without change. It's that we continue to come and be filled with knowledge. We learn new things. We can spit it out. We can talk to you about our theology. But no change ever happens in our life. I heard John Maxwell one time say, we are educated far above our level of obedience. We are educated way beyond our level of obedience. What the church needs is probably not more education. It's probably more obedience to what we already know to do. It's, it's coming as we were and leaving as we are and leaving as we were. It's, it's, it's not allowing the Holy Spirit to move on our lives and to change us. Because what real faith does is real faith. We used to sing a song that said, I have something on the inside working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. That there ought to be something that's working inside of us. That's And when I say a change on the outside, um, it's not just talking about the way you dress. It's talking about the way you live your life. So, so, so it's, it's, it's knowledge with no change. And then the next thing that it is, it's, it's faith where there is no love for Jesus. I just got to tell you that I could not live in a loveless marriage. I have been married to my wife for 30 years, but I am not so committed that I could just hang on in there for 30 years with no love. It's getting quiet in here. How many know what I'm talking about? I, I may be old, but I ain't dead. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying my wife and I still have a love relationship. So on Friday night, when you guys were all doing your thing, we went down to Market Square, tried out a new restaurant together, and held hands and walked over to Cruz Ice Cream Dairy down on Gay Street, had ourselves an ice cream cone. And why do we do that? Because we love each other. I, 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 this is not just, this isn't preacher talk. This is the God's honest truth. I love her more today than I did on the day when I said I do. I appreciate her more. Our love for each other is deeper than it was even when we even when, than when we first got married. That's why when you come to our church, it almost sounds like we're singing love songs. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. You will be praised. Why? Because Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And, 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 and it's not just a story that we read about in a book. 
but we have a relationship with Jesus. And being a Christian means literally inviting him into our heart. And so faith is like breathing. There's the inhale. We receive him. And then there's the exhale. And the way that we live our life is a life of praise to God. It's got to have both of those elements in it. It's got to be, there's got to be love for Jesus. The third one is rebellion with no repentance. It means I make up my own rules. I don't, I don't pay attention to what God says anymore, but I make up my own rules for the way I live my life. And if I'm not careful, my heart can become hardened and I'm in a faith that's deceived. I call myself a Christian, but God's ways are no good for me anymore and I make up my own ways. But finally, I want to talk to you about faith, not that is dead, not that is deceived. I want to talk about faith as dynamic. I want to talk to you about a dynamic faith. James 2, 17 and 18 says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. And, and so to illustrate it, James talks about the story. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Now that's a weird story, guys. God calls Abraham to do something that, that just is totally out of character with our God. One of the things that we are proud of, of our God, is that our God does not ask us to sacrifice children, Right? So what I'm saying is that Abraham so believed in the goodness of his God that he knew, even though he was asking him to do that, he knew that that was not going to be the outcome. In fact, when he went to sacrifice Isaac, he said, I'm going to go and worship and me and my boy are coming back. He didn't know how God was going to do it. He didn't know when God was going to do it. He didn't know all the details, but he believed so much in God that he stepped out in faith. So dynamic faith steps out. You've got to take a step. You've got to take a step of faith. Faith means I've got to I've got to pick up my foot and move in a direction toward where I want my life to go. And so uh, one of the biggest steps of faith that God ever asked us to do was to move to Knoxville after being almost 20 years in Illinois. And it was like kicking and screaming. My wife was convinced first. It took me a little longer. But finally, you just have to, you just have to move, even though you don't see it, even though you don't understand why, even though you don't know um, all of the reasons why. And let me just tell you something, folks. It was a step of faith. And we're sitting here this morning, and we're in a time in Life Church right now. I just—I've been saying this a lot lately. I—I I feel wind at our backs. There, there's something that God's doing right now at Life Church. I can't explain it to you, but 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 God is just doing wonderful things, and and you'll never get to experience the wonderful things that God does if you don't take a step of faith you've got sometimes you got to plant that church sometimes you got to get out of bed and say i'm going to church and i'm not watching joel osteen this morning 
you got to take that step of faith. Emily, you know, I really appreciate the step of faith that it took for you to come and be. People don't know that she took a, a big cut in pay to come and be our worship leader, but she did it because she's got faith and she sees not just the way that things are, but she sees the way that things are becoming and the way that things are going to be. You've got to take a step of faith. Amen. You really can't be a dynamic Christian if you don't learn how to serve. At the essence of, at the essence of Christianity is serving people. Jesus demonstrated the essence when he got down and he washed his disciples' feet and then he said, I want you to go and I want you to do just like I have done, just like I washed the disciples' feet. He said, I who am your leader, you call me your Lord, I'm getting down and washing your feet. And Jesus left us that illustration. So I'm going to give us an opportunity, church, or we're going to have an opportunity, church, to participate with over 300 churches, and we're going to do something called a serve day. Amen? Okay, so, so this is one of those sermons with homework. So, so, so I've got some homework for us to do after this message. We're going to do something. Uh, it's on July 15th, and this is something incredibly simple, incredibly easy. Everyone can do it. So we're going to go up to stop signs in our area. And when people stop at the stop sign, we're not going to ask them for money. We're not going to hand them a track and tell them how to know about Jesus. We're going to ask them if they want a Coke or a Diet Coke on a hot day. They're going to stop at a stop sign. We're going to say a Coke or a hot Coke. They're going to say, what, what are you selling? We're not selling anything. We're going to give them a card that says showing God's love in a practical way, no strings attached, and it'll have the website of our church on the back, and we're just going to send them on their way. It's not a big thing. We're not building a house for somebody that's homeless. We're giving somebody on a hot day a Coke, a Diet Coke, or a water, okay? And we're going to do that on July 15th. We're going to meet here at 10 o'clock in the morning, have a word of prayer. We're going to disperse out into our different areas. And what I would like for you to do is next Sunday, I'd like you to bring some Coke to church, all right? Coca-Cola, that is. <laughs> you heard about the man that they caught snorting sweet and low, didn't you? He thought it was Diet Coke. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was not in my notes. That was not in my notes. All right. All right. <laughs> So, so, yeah. Anyway, next Sunday, bring Coke, Diet Coke, or water. Let's fill up our lobby with Coke, Diet Coke, and water. And then the following Saturday, we're going to meet here at 10 o'clock in the morning, have a word of prayer, have our little pre-rally. We're going to disperse into our intersections. Some have mentioned going down to the park um, by the fountain. We're going to go to places that are kind of in the area of our church, and we just want this neighborhood to know we're thinking about you on a hot day. And we're going to stand out there and hand out water and Coke and Diet Coke and then just in, and give them a card showing you God's love in a practical way. So at the end of the message, we're actually going to have a sign-up sheet. And by the way, I'd like to know your T-shirt size uh, that, that you want us to order for you. We'll wear matching T-shirts. And Melanie said she's buying She just found that out. (laughs) All right.
So, so, uh, so we'd like to do that, and we'd want and and because serving is so important. If if you want to have real faith, you've got to learn how to be a servant. So dynamic faith steps out. Dynamic faith speaks out. So the next thing James said, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. If you remember that story, they were coming into the promised land and there was a spy by the name of Rahab and her job was the oldest occupation in the world, if you know what I mean. She was a prostitute. But she gave lodging to these spies and she spoke out even against her own nation because she saw what God was doing and she protected them and she spoke out. Can I just say, as a church, we've got to speak out against injustice. The church just cannot sit idly by uh, and not speak out against injustice. The, the, the church ought to be the first place that justice uh, comes down. Another way that we need to speak out is by sharing our faith. Be always ready to give an answer, the Scripture says, for the hope that lies within you. Be willing to let people know why it is. What's different about you? Here's why. Because Jesus did something in my life. Just be ready to speak out. If you're going to have dynamic faith, you've got to be willing to speak out. But I want to say another thing about speaking out. Some of us need to begin speaking to the circumstances that we're in. And we need to speak that, that things are going to get better. Faith says that things are not always going to be the way that they are right now. But faith believes that the best is yet to come. Amen? Amen. And it's really important how we use our mouth. And and, and one thing that I would say is we've got to say it until we see it. We've just got to say it. We've got to speak it with our mouth. You've got to speak that church plant. God's going to do great things in Newport Tennessee. Amen. That church, Faith, Hope, and Love, is that the name of it? Faith, Hope, and Love is going to be on fire with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people all over Newport are going to come to that place. People of all walks of life. People of all races. They're going to come to that place and they're going to find faith. They're going to find hope and they're going to find love in that place. You've got to speak it. We've got to speak that Life Church is going to be a house of prayer for all nations, no matter what your background, what your denominational background is, what your race is, what country you're from, what you look like. You are welcome here. And we've got to speak that until our church. You know what the Bible says about heaven? The Bible says about heaven that there are people of every nation, every tribe, every country, every color. Amen. I want the church on earth to look like the church is going to look in heaven. Amen. Amen. Jesus told us to pray. Jesus told us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. If it's going to be that way in heaven, just just bring it on down. Just bring it on down. Bring it on down. Bring it on down. Speak out. Say it until you see it. And then finally, dynamic faith works out. I'm not talking about lifting weights. I'm not talking about going to Planet Fitness. What I'm talking about, what I'm talking about is, is faith has the patience to know that no matter what the circumstances in my life are, are right now, that God is working things out. 
can't see it right now. He's, Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that all things, all things, you know what all things mean? All things mean the good things and the bad things. All of the bad things that are happening in my life are getting mixed up with all the good things that are happening all my life, in my life. And God's working it all out. He's mixing it all together. And he's, and he's developing this plan for my life. And I'm here to say to somebody here today, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I don't know who that's for today. But, 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 but I want you to know that, that, that the way things are right now are not necessarily the way that things are going to be. And God's working things out. And, and I just want to say, I was talking to my brother about how excited I was about the church and what's happening at Life Church, and, and he said, he said, you know, half of, half of it is just perseverance. It's just hanging around long enough. It, it's just a failure to quit. P- part of having faith is just having, just losing the quit button. You just got to lose the quit button, and you just got to say, you know, I don't know how, I don't know, I don't know why, I don't know when, and I don't see it all, but God's working it out on my behalf. Faith works out. Faith works out. And I just want to close this morning by just saying it is a process. Please be patient with me. God's not finished with me yet. I'm not what I'm going to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. And little by little, God is working things out. Honing something here, improving something there, So I just want to ask us this morning, what's your next step? I'm not saying what's the final step for you, but what's your next step? For some of you, it just might be that that inhale that I talked about. That just, I don't know everything about it, but today I just receive you, Jesus, into my life. And the Bible says that when when you receive Jesus as Lord, that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. God breathes in you. That's why we're praying rain down, rain down. Let your glory fall. For some of you, a couple weeks ago, someone put on their card, I want to be baptized. Your, your, next, your next step might be to be baptized. I've breathed in, but now I want to, I want to take that next step where I say to my brothers and sisters in Christ and that I am a believer in Jesus and that I am also going to gain the power that comes from stepping out in faith because baptism is symbolic but it's more than symbolic it's an act of obedience and whenever you do an act of